This bonus episode of Amateur Logic is brought to you by ICOM. Get on HF with ICOM and their signature DSP technology. Welcome to a bonus episode of AmateurLogic.tv. I'm George. I'm Tommy. And it's good to be with you. Finally, after a lot of problems getting the live stream going, one more time. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, going right now, so let's get it done. Let's do it. Well, you know, I I went to Pacificon here recently. First time ever to that ham fest. Yeah, how'd you like that? It, It was fun, man. You know, it reminded me a lot of uh, the other ham fest I went to out west, um, CPAC. Yeah. It was a lot of the same vendors there. And that's the thing that's different, I've noticed, between the ham fest out there and the ham fest here. You know, we we have a lot of swap tables, and we have a lot of dealers at, at ours. And we really don't have that many uh, manufacturers. We have mm-hmm. a few. But out there, it seems to be mostly manufacturers Less dealers, although there there was at least one there. And the swap tables aren't quite as full as they are here. So if you could get all of those together in one ham fest, I guess you'd call it Dayton. Yeah, I guess you would. (laughs) (laughs) But really, really was a nice event. I I hope to go back again one year. Yeah, I'd like to go out there sometime. Um, Unfortunately, I had to work. Couldn't make a trip that time, but... uh, one of these years, they're going to make it out there to the West Coast, some of those big ones. Yeah, it was you know, a lot of fun. I met a lot of great people out there, and, uh, you know, that, that's always a, a good part of going to a ham fest. You know, everywhere I go these days, it seems like I've got some friends there. Yeah, well, man, that's, a, that's one of the best parts about going to the ham fest, getting to meet some of the people. Yep. Yeah, it so really a lot, is. A lot of interesting people. Friday morning, everyone was busy setting up their booths. There's Gordo with his short shorts. And Bob was busy, too, setting up a display of his newest headphone creation. This was about 10 o'clock in the morning, and the ham fest was opening at 3 p.m., and there was still a lot of work to be done. In the hallway out front here is where the emergency responders, uh, clubs and organizations are setting up. They're still moving in as well. And here's Gordo admiring a new portrait That'll soon be on display in the post office. This looks like it could be a hot spot during the ham fest. Isn't that a beautiful sight to behold? All those soldering stations laid out there ready to go. This is interesting looking antenna here. That's copper strap making up a loop. The tuner section is right here. It's a helically wound magnetic loop antenna. Well, it's 3 o'clock on Friday afternoon, and they finally opened the gate to let the attendees in. And here they come. That was Pacificon, Tommy. That what was you it. Think? <laughs> I expected it to be a little bit busier than that. Well, it, it was a lot busier <laughs> than that, really. You, you know, I, rather than just go around and shoot a picture of this guy's here, this guy's here, these folks are here, 
you know, like that. I like to, to talk with some of the people at the Hamfast and try to find something a little interesting. You oh, know. yeah, absolutely. One of those interesting people I talked to was with the ARRL. Well, I'm talking with Bob here, NQ1R, from the ARRL. Bob, it's good to see you. Thanks, George. It's great to be here at Pacificon. Tell us about this old man standing here behind us. Well, it's hard to believe that what started as a, a small uh, budding organization has blossomed into something that I don't even think Maxim would have ever imagined. Um, and uh, we, we tip our hat to the vision that he had and, and others that worked with him in those early years to found the organization. Here we are, 100 years later into the second century. Um, that's really great, and congratulations on that. I know I've seen you at several Hamfests this year. How many of these W100 AW events have you done this year? Well, um, we've done uh, six of these regional centennial events. Uh, we started the year in Orlando. Uh, we went to Dayton and Plano, Texas for Hamcom. Um, it's been a great year. Seaside, Oregon. Um, uh, we went to Huntsville, Alabama for... Uh, the, the big ham fest, the Huntsville ham fest there. Uh, it's been a super year, and here we are at the very last one of the year. Uh, these have all been ARL regional centennial events. And I was going to say, well, I just did say, I've seen you at a lot of them, and that's because I was at Dayton and Huntsville and Seaside, and now here. Yeah, you know, um, I hope we both get our wallpaper for worked all ARRL Centennial Regional events because we've been at all of them. But it's been a it's been a great party. It's been a super way for the organization to have FaceTime with so many of its members. We even exhibited over in Friedrichshafen, Germany, to our many of our European and overseas members at the big convention over there in June. So it's been a worldwide celebration, and of course the pinnacle of it was in Hartford, Connecticut for the big national convention. Uh, we had about 3,400 people in Hartford, Connecticut, and about 1,000 people touring headquarters. It was as much a homecoming as it was a celebration. So how many operators do you think have, have operated this event this year? Well, I'm not really sure. You know, the um, uh, bet- between the W100AW stations, that have been mobilized all throughout the year. They're on the second round of states at this point. So if you missed some of the states, this is your second and last time to work some of them. Um, and then events like this where W1AW Stroke 6 is operating right here from Pacificon 24 hours a day. So it's been a lot of operators, a lot of queues, and a lot of fun. Well, you know, I, I shouldn't admit it, but I have not operated yet at any of these. I need to get out here this evening, I guess. So I can get my name on the list. You do. Um, to be part of that operation has been great. And, of course, the call sign W100AW generates an immediate pileup on the air. So I know the ops out here are operating CW, and they're operating some of the digital modes and HF. And there's newcomers and uh, folks who are seasoned uh, code operators. Everybody's just been having a blast over here on the air. They've, they've got a nice setup, many stations on the air at the same time over there. So if you had... One message that you wanted to give to all ham radio operators, whether they were league members or not, what would that be? It's keep looking forward. Keep looking forward to all the different ways that we, as licensed members of this amateur radio community, are contributing to the art and science of radio. Uh, whether it's the fun that we have on the air, which 
you know, there's a hidden um, meaning for some of that, and that's that we're we're preparing to be able to contribute in the in the event of an emergency or what have you, or it's the uh, stuff that we're doing in our in our basement garages and workbenches, building the next microcontroller or or a repeater system or what have you. Um, but just keep looking forward and keep advancing amateur radio in the same direction. Uh, that's that's the course we'd all like to be on. One other thing, and I was not aware of this. I guess until the past year or so, but y'all have a, a special, um, I don't know what to call it, a special ritual that goes on tonight, I believe, is it? Um, the Wolfhong Ceremony. So there's a, a big part of the organization is um, uh, is uh, uh, built on its foundings, and this gentleman here, our, found, our founding president of the organization, used to write in QST under the auspices of the old man, and many folks didn't even know it was Maxim writing these articles until later um, after he passed on. Well, part of the uh, organization's celebration of some of that is through the Wufong Ceremony. It's a secret honor society. It's a bit tongue-in-cheek, but we make a little bit of fun of ourselves, but we also, there's a great message of being good operators and being good stewards of the incredible amount of access that we have to amateur radio spectrum. And uh, it's a great story. I can't tell you anymore. You have to go and and find out for yourself. But um, I've attended many of the ones throughout this entire year, and uh, it's it's been a lot of fun. What about the ready snitch? Is there anything special on that? I can't. I can't share any more about the ready snitch. That's that's strictly special ops, huh? It is. It is. It's. Uh, but it's it's great fun. And you know, folks come to aerial headquarters from all over the world to tour, and they ask to see the ready snitch and the wolfhong. And we've got some great pieces that are are part of that lore uh, that we store store at headquarters. Well, thanks for talking with us, well, Bob. It's been great fun. I, nice to see you, George. And congratulations on 100. Well, congratulations to all of us. It's been a great celebration. Thank you. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, that's pretty cool stuff, man. Yeah. The, that's a good message to keep looking forward to. It's a great time to be a ham right now. It is. But it really the, is. All the neat stuff going on with the microcontrollers like he was talking about, better antennas and all the digital stuff. The digital stuff just, you know, that's really my, I love that. Well, I, I do too. And, you know, it's it's not a vacuum tube. You know, there's still guys doing vacuum tubes. There's just so many different areas to the hobby today, and it just keeps expanding. Yeah, it's just, like I say, it's just a great time to be a ham. Yeah, you know, you can do stuff from activities from the very early days of ham radio up to, you know. Yeah, it's all still relevant. The vacuum tube stuff, that's awesome stuff too. I like that as well. But, you know, everybody kind of finds, there's there's enough things going on that everybody can find their little area that their, their interest yeah. is driven by. You know, while we were doing that interview there, there, there's this old man that just kept looking over my shoulder there. He never would say anything. Yeah, he was pretty quiet. He was pretty quiet. <laughs> what about that ready snitch, man? Doesn't that it, look it, it intriguing? Looks, it looks dangerous. It does. Not as dangerous as a ready snitch, though. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I don't even, honestly, I don't even know what that is. I've heard of it. But yeah. I guess I need to Google it and see. Yeah, I, you know they re- really won't talk about it that much at some of these ham fests. Though they have um, special ceremonies that you can go to at night. I'm not sure if it's by invite only or what, but you know, I know they have a wolfhong ceremony. At uh, they had it at Huntsville. I know. I'm sure they had it at Dayton, and they had it here, and and probably you know a good many others. But I've never heard of a ready snitch ceremony. Yeah, I haven't either. But I'm I'm assuming it's something like taking someone snipe hunting. 
with a bag? Well, I really don't know. You know, it the wolf hong is you know that's supposed to be an aid in enforcing uh, law and order in amateur radio. And I think the ready snitch <laughs> even takes that to a whole new level. So. Yeah, well, that sharp end on that. Yeah, that uh, yeah, it looks kind of dangerous. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna operate and follow the rules right down the line, man. Yeah. I don't want one of those things. Yeah, coming see around. one of those coming, man. Yeah. Straighten up an ID, huh? No doubt. <laughs> <laughs> well, W one hundred AW was there, and boy, I've seen them at a lot of places this past year. But they, I think this was the last one of the year, or the last W100AW uh, operating event. And, uh, well, I, you know, I stopped by and looked at some of the gear they had to, to make that possible. W100AW Stroke 6 Special Event Station. I've run across W100AW several times this year. Let's go talk with Rick Heisman, N6DQ, about this filter setup. So when you got this many HF stations and the antennas are so close, it's kind of presents some challenges doesn't it oh sure yeah all the time um but there's some uh, incredible filters being made now by uh an outfit in montenegro uh 403a makes the high power uh, uh filters and a high power triplexer and we're using a combination of that uh, this first set of filters right here is the uh triplexer and so we have the uh, combiner, what they call combiner, which combines, splits the three bands out, 20, 15, and 10 meters. Then we have bandpass filters for each one. I have an extra bandpass filter in series with the 20 meter filter, so I actually have two 20 meter filters in series on the output be- to get a steeper skirt on the uh, uh, bandpass because 17, we're operating 17 meters as well. The hex beam up on top is uh, six bands. And it, uh, I've got a separate feed for 17, a separate feed for 12, a separate feed for 6 meters, and then one feed for 80 or for 20, 15, and 10. Then, um, so that 20, 15, and 10 meter feed comes to here, and connects up to the triplexer. Then the 17 meter feed comes to its own separate bandpass filter. 12 meter feed comes to its own bandpass filter. Then we have two dipoles, two double bazookas up on top, uh, each separately fed. With a forty with a forty meter and an eighty meter bandpass filter for those as well, high power, all high power. And we also have six meters up there on its own six meter bandpass filter. So if they want to operate six meters it can. So and these are all on the output of the linear. They're not uh, they're not the low power. These can handle up to about uh, forty five hundred watts on uh, only 4,500. <laughs> well, when you're running three high power into a single triplexer, the vector addition is such that you could have anywhere up to 25, 3,500 total if they're all hitting at the same time in a funny different way. So uh, that's where you have to have the extra. Uh, so you have how many transmitters on that one hex beam up there? Right now we're four. Wow. Four transmitters all running uh, linears at the same time on the hex beam, yeah. That seems almost impossible, but I guess these filters take care of it. Yeah, what the, did uh, Bob Steinberg said you can do anything with money, right? I guess that's right, yeah. <laughs> the Yankees. <laughs> the best team money can buy, right? Yeah. yeah I, I see these have fans on them. Have they ever got hot enough that you really needed to kick them on? No, because it, uh, this is pretty casual. My contesters that would be on there with a high rate, uh, they probably would warm up, but I've never had any trouble. We just used them up in uh, Lake Alpine for the uh, CQP and uh, never had a problem. So, no, they're amazing. They're actually very, very, uh, they're incredible. And 
if we opened them up, you'll see just the workmanship in here is just beautiful. It really is. But uh, nice thing about the hex beam is there's no there's no traps on it, so it's all full length, full size, no traps, and um, with uh, using the uh, 9913, which is double shielded, try to minimize the the bleed. Still get some bleed. There's a little bleed on uh, 12 meters, but 12 meters is so close to uh, 21, 24. They're right on top of each other. So there's some bleeds, so I've got to do a little more tweaking on 12 to get it uh, uh, quiet. But uh, it's probably he's buying another filter. <laughs> well, what about tuning? Is the, the beam resonant enough on all these bands, or do you actually have to use a little tuning to no, bring it no, in? No, they're all resonant. The whole idea is as long as these are uh, working into a resonant load, something under 2.1, uh, then it's much better. Because the tuner just complicates the issue. It's uh, too hard to... The only where we use the tuners on 80. Right now, this 80-meter filter, the bazooka, double bazooka up on top is good from about 3.9 to 3.7. So it's good for phone. If we want to get on CW, then I'll put the tuner ahead of this filter and tune it, and then the filter will still see a low SWR. It always has to see a low SWR. Otherwise, it starts... Uh, yeah, it's not, a, not really a filter anymore, not is happy it? Anymore. No, not happy at all. But there's a couple bucks here. <laughs> but it uh, does work. The incredible part about it, it does work. And I have a, um, a load on the unused filter just to keep things all balanced out. So. And that's how it works. Well, boy, that's great. That, I mean, this is the same type of stuff you'd see at, say, um, a broadcast station where they were combining a number of FM right, transmitters right. into a single. In New York, when they, were, they, when they were on the Empire State Building, when they triplex uh, 10 stations. And these are uh, developed by this big contester over in uh, Montenegro, 403A. So it's, uh, it's amazing. Well, thanks for talking with us, Rick. Yeah, thank you. What do you think about those filters, Tom? That is a serious set of filters right there. <laughs> that is. Running kilowatts, linears, or maybe even legal limit on some of them. All of those on one antenna. Yeah, that, that's, that's almost unbelievable. Yeah. That, that's just amazing. Yeah, it, it really is, and apparently they worked really well, too. Um, I wish we could have used something like that at Field Day, couldn't we? Yeah, no doubt. That'd be great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although we didn't have that much power. No, we weren't running linears, <laughs> but still, you yeah. know, um, might, might have helped us out a little bit. I saw Mount Diablo. That's that uh, one over by uh, Leo Laporte's place, isn't it? I think yeah. where the D-Star repeater is. Yeah, up in Northern California. Um, yeah, good club there, man. Uh, a lot of good gear, too. You saw that tower that the, uh, um, what do they call it, hex beam was mounted to? Yeah. Yeah, it was green, and uh, it was square tubes that, that they raised it up with. I looked at it, and I was thinking, man, that thing has got to be heavy. You know, because it looked like, you know, big steel pipes. That was all aluminum. It was just oh, painted wow. green. Oh. He told me the weight of it. I mean, you could pick it up. You could pick up that pole. Oh, really? It, yeah. it sure didn't look like you would. It didn't look like it. But, uh, you know, they were there. There were several other groups there as well. The Collins van was there, too. And I wanted to get, you know, something on it. And by the time I got out there uh, to shoot it, they had loaded it up on a trailer and were just pulling away. Oh, man. Yeah, so I <laughs> oh, missed I hate that. You, I hate you missed that. That would have yeah. been pretty cool. Yeah, there's always, there's just so many things going on in a ham fest. It's hard to see it all, especially if you're dragging a camera around. Oh, yeah. But, um, you know, still a lot of fun. 
uh, I talked with a, a few other people while I was there, too. And you remember our friend Mick from Comet? Yeah. Yeah, he was there, and uh, Ray helped me. We we each got on one of Mick's arms and gave it a good twist, and he agreed to do an interview with me. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, let's, let's <laughs> look at some of that right now. I'm talking with Mick here, KB6JVT from Comet. Mick, it's good to see you again. Yeah, it's nice to be here. It's been a long day. I'm looking forward to this show uh, winding down, but been a lot of people come through. Yeah, so tell us a little bit about what Comet does. I know, but maybe some of our viewers don't. Well, you know, there's there's always the same uh, typical question, so I could probably answer uh, 90% of the people's questions uh, off the top of my head. Number one question is, uh, isn't Comet and Diamond the same company? All your antennas look similar. All right, that's number one question. They are uh, completely different companies like Ford and GM. Everything looks the same. I, I assume that they both use the same uh, subcontractors to make a lot of the same parts, just for economies of scale. But they have two distinct uh, engineering staff that um, they kind of, I think they battle each other to try to come up with the best ideas and the most functional antennas and multi-band. So they're, they're, they just compete head-to-head, and that, that's good for both of us. keeps us both on our toes. Well, certainly those are, are the two best mobile antennas and probably VHF antennas. I don't know a lot about your HF stuff, but these are some of the best antennas you can get. They're all rugged, robust, and I like them. I've been using them for years. Well, thanks a lot. There, there's some a couple new ones I'd like to show since we're here in the booth. Um, right behind you is Comet's newest dual banders, and that they have springs. So, a lot of people break antennas. They call and ask for repair parts, and have asked, you know, is there some sort of spring I can put it on? So, we talked to Comet engineers about that uh, about a year and a half, two years ago, and they said, okay, well, we'll just put some some spring antennas together, and this this new series of uh, these two dual banders now have springs built right into them. So they're, they're, they're reactive and proactive. If they try to come up with new ideas on their own, but if I come up with something or one of their other uh, distributors around the world has an idea, they'll, they'll try their best to uh, incorporate it into the new designs. So what do you sell most of, the shorter quarter-wave antennas or half-waves or five-eighths? I would say uh, this antenna right here is a half-wave on two meters and uh, two five-eighths waves on 440. So it's totally... Ground independent. It's this antenna, the SBB5. It's our number one best-selling antenna. It just meets what most people want. They they want something with a little bit of gain, but they don't want six feet of antenna hanging off their uh, the roof. You know, they're really not necessary in most cases. So that SBB5 is is the most popular. Um, right next to that is this model number called the CA two by four SR. Two by four is uh, two meters by four forty. SR means uh, it's, it was designed for a search and rescue situation where it's very broadband. It'll cover 140 to 160 and 435 to 465 with great SWR, great signal strength. So you're not sacrificing signal strength when you go out of band. SWR rises, your signal drops off. So it's, it's one of Comet's best designs, and that's our, our number two best-selling antenna. So you can lift it up and lay it down, and that's obviously for just pulling 10, 20 feet into your garage. But if you're going to go into a parking structure, you might have to drive up two or three levels. These mounts have a dial lock, so you can lock it in place. And that way the antenna won't move around as you're turning a corner and whip around and, and maybe hit something or somebody. Mick, this is something a little different, maybe space age looking here. What is that? Yeah, a lot of people think there may be GPS antennas, but that's Comet's uh, first attempt at making a dual band VHF, UHF, fin antenna. Um, 
These are prototypes. They're not quite ready for prime time. They, uh, they have very limited bandwidth on two meters right now. Their, their first attempt has only got a meg and a half of bandwidth, and the loss is about 3 to 4 dB on, v, on uh, VHF. And um, they'll only handle 10 watts. So the, the target is to get them at least unity gain, uh, to handle at least 40 to 50 watts for a mobile radio, and then they'll be ready to go to market. So they're, this is just the first attempt. So tell me about these here with the multiple elements on them. All right, so this is for the FT8900. If you have one output out the back, you can run one quad-band antenna. So it's a very um, inexpensive antenna. It's about $120. So you can put it on any of these lip mounts, uh, as long as the lip mount's strong enough to hold it, and be on the air on all four bands, you know, instantly. The one right next to it is a model number UHV-6. That's this one. That's that one. Now, that one is a... Is a is a six band antenna, so it comes with HF coils. Two of the coils are attached now, um, so you can operate any of the 40, 20, 15, 10 meters by adding those coils or removing them if you don't want it on at the time. So if you want to operate just 40 meters, now you've got just the 40 meter coil on top. But it always works on six, two meters, and 440. So those are constant. And then adding the HF coils at the top is, uh, is at your preference. So if you're just driving around town, going back and forth to work, using the local repeaters, you can take all the HF coils off. You're going to take a little bit longer trip. The bands are open. You can put the HF coils on so you're not always driving around with a giant antenna. I see you've got a CHV5X over here, a rotatable dipole. What bands does this cover? Uh, 40, 20, 15, 10, and 6. And uh, one question I get rather routinely is is that the whole antenna or has it just been cut down for display but no that is it each each arm is only about uh, about six feet long and it contains uh, loading coils for each HF band so each coil you have a sliding stub to set the resonant point so once you set all the resonant points on the antenna you don't have to change plugs or coils it's ready to go so, so say like on 40 meters how would this compare with just a, a straight old wire 40 meter dipole? It, it compares very poorly. If you have the room to put up a 40 meter dipole, you've got 40, 50, 60 feet, uh, you've got a couple big trees, do it. However, a lot of people come to us and say, hey, I just moved to an apartment, a condo, I got some really strong homeowner association restrictions. What do you got that's really compact? And this is what we can offer. This is where Comet's engineers, they focus their energy, trying to get an antenna that's, um, that will allow guys to stay on the air even if they're in really restrictive antenna zones. And Mick, has Comet got into the window business here, or, or what's going on? It's a nice little display. My brother-in-law made that for me. But, um, again, back to the uh, situation where you might be in an apartment or a condo and you're renting, and you cannot drill a hole in the, in the wall to get your coax in. Uh, Comet developed this flat coax, or they actually the, flow ca- the flat coax has existed for a while, but they've created this jumper to get through the window frame. So the coax will fit through the gap, and it will mold to the angles, and you can shut. Yeah. And that that's really quite flat. It really is flat. It's um, it's aluminum foil for the shield. It's a spring steel center core. It's uh, the same material as uh, milk cartons uh, that's 
keeps it from ripping and puncturing, but you can lock the window and you're, you know, you've got the cold out, you've got the heat out, the safety of having locked windows stays in without drilling any holes. So that's a real popular item too. Comet's had it out for about two years now. And what kind of power will that handle? 100 watts on HF, uh, 70 watts on VHF, and 40 watts on UHF, I believe. So your typical rig powers are all covered. Exactly. Comet has gotten into the analyzer business in the last few years, huh? Right. Um, You know, they found a a need for just a really simple analyzer. Uh, Not a lot of bells and whistles. Doesn't do a lot of functions. It just does the functions you really need, the most important, especially if you might be hanging off the roof on the edge of a ladder trying to adjust an element length, you know. The um, the MFJ and, um, oh, I forget the other brand, but... They, um, they're made more if you're like winding coils and you're checking impedance and uh, you're, you're trying to really maybe design or create an antenna. This is more for the gentleman who's up on the roof, needs to tune an antenna. You need simple, you need quick, and that's what this is made to do. And so I'm going to demonstrate it. All right, so I just grabbed a, a ground independent antenna, a dual bander off. I uh, put it on the connector that uh, is used for the low frequency range. Switch the uh, selector to the uh, VHF band. And I'm going to use this wheel to just slowly uh, scan through the 2-meter band. And you can watch the needle that shows SWR drop as we become resonant. So we can tell this antenna is resonant right at about 147, 50 ohm impedance, uh, 1.2 to 1 SWR. This is where I first learned about Comet was this antenna right here. The the actual GP9? Yep. Okay. Yeah, it was our bestseller for many, many, many years. As a matter of fact, my uh, my father down in Southern California, he we had one up in our warehouse, and he had a house down in Mexico. Now, from Southern California to Mexico is a shot across water, but it's close to 90 miles, and we could talk simplex with this antenna on our roof uh, into his mobile, into his truck all the way in Mexico, and that was just amazing. So building your own quarter-wave antenna or maybe a J-pole, I mean, that's a fun thing to do, but... When you put it against something like this, I mean, I've done it. There's, there's no comparison. There's absolutely no comparison. I mean, those are great projects, and they will give you good range and good SWR for a local area. But if you need range outside of, you know, 20, 30 miles maybe, this, this is the type of antenna you need. Um, I'm going from memory now, but on two meters, I believe this is uh, five five-eighths waves in phase stacked on top of each other. And then on... Uh, UHF, I mean, I believe it's nine five-eighths waves stacked on top of each other. That's that's a complicated issue. And when you stick it all together, it's uh, how tall? It's about just under 17 feet. Okay. So, uh, again, you, unique to Comet, you can't really see because we've got it in a package, but they use ABS connecting joints where the... Uh, where the fiberglass sections screw together. That's just a difference between Comet and Diamond. Their Comet engineer just says, no, I don't want to put those steel rings around the middle of my antenna. Yeah. Um, you know, you may need test instruments to see the difference, but they just won't do it. So the, the, the two sections slide together about 8 inches, so that's your structural integrity. The ABS has a uh, compression washer that keeps moisture out and makes it waterproof and holds it together. So... It's, it's a great antenna, and it's Comet's own design. And then it proves, again, that Comet and Diamond are different. They, they have their different ideas on how to do things. Now, the only thing you, that I do want to talk about that uh, isn't quite as obvious is the bottom of the antenna has a couple of uh, ventilation holes. Um, every once in a while, we'll get a call, and somebody will say, Hey, uh, my SWR went up. I took my antenna down. I took it apart, and there was, there was water in it. 
what's what's going on? Um, it's not because water has come in, but moisture um, condenses. You know, the, the antenna heats up inside, and it, when people install the antenna, they will take uh, coax seal or black tape, and they will seal the bottom of that connector thinking that they're doing great, and what you've just done is you have closed any ventilation, and no uh, moisture can get in and out. So just leave those ventilation holes open, uh, wrap it around the coax, keep that connector dry, but leave the vent holes alone. So guys, if you're looking for a good dual-band base antenna, and you can put up one that's 17 feet tall, go with this. I mean, I, personally, I've used these, and I know you're going to see a big difference. And Mick, I appreciate you talking to us about Comet Antennas and, and some of the great products you've got here. I've known about them for years and have always recommended them. If, if people want to know more about Comet, how can they contact you? Our, our website is cometantenna.com. Um, you can always call us. Um, we don't have an engineering staff at our warehouse in California, so we can't get that far into the weeds. But if you've got a question that we can contact Comet about, we're happy to. Or if you've just got an issue with a missing set screw or I broke my antenna and I need a repair part, we're, we're, we're happy to help. Just give us a call. Can they email you? Yeah, email me at mick at cometantenna.com or sales at cometantenna.com or, you know, anything at cometantenna.com. It comes to my desk. Don't worry. Well, thanks for talking with us, Mick. Yeah, it was, it's been a pleasure. Thanks a lot, George. That was your antenna, wasn't it? Yep, I've got actually three antennas that I use on a daily basis, and all three of them are common antennas. That last one he showed there, the GP9, my, actually my mobile antenna is the one he showed earlier that says it's the most popular. But that GP9, I use it every day. And I've had two of the other antennas that have similar gain, you know, mm-hmm. the long ones like that, and they both of them had water problems. But I got this Comet, and it's been up in the air for 10 or 12 years. Never had one one second trouble out of it. Yeah, I, I never knew about those ventilation holes in the bottom, but that I guess that's well, the answer. Huh? I, I didn't know about it either, and apparently I didn't cover it up. I must not have. <laughs> <laughs> so, But whatever they did to it, it, it works. Yeah. yeah, it really does. It, you know, Comet and Diamond, yeah, those are, those are probably the... The two heavyweights. Oh yeah, they're good antennas. I just, uh, I just uh, personally had a little better luck out of that one. Yeah, yeah. I've I've had another brand that looked just like the Comet before that did the same thing, got full of water. Full of water. I'm sure you remember it. It's on. Oh yeah. On the tower over there, and yeah, I remember climbing up that tower. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. You were (laughs) one of the guinea pigs. I mean, climbers. Yeah, guinea pigs is right. (laughs) It. Seems to attract wasps a lot too. Yeah. So I remember both times I went up there, I had to fight wasps. Yeah, that's something about that aviation orange on those towers. Wasps seem to like. Yeah. I don't know what it is. Well, speaking of water, you know, while I was there, I I, I met this guy walking around with a parrot on his shoulder. Oh yeah. Yeah, and a sailor's hat on. Nice. You never know who you're going to run into at a ham fest, and when I ran across this guy here. I had to learn more. I'm talking with Neil, W6FOG. Neil, good to meet you. Likewise, George. Good to meet you. So you've got on the captain's hat here. Tell me tell me why you wear that. I've got 122,000 ocean miles. I've basically sailed around the world five times. Wow. So do you do you live on a boat? or? Yeah, for 23 years now. We live on a uh, 43-foot overall west sail. But you still have a ground-based ham shack. 
A mobile ham shack. <laughs> okay, and this is it right here. Yeah. You want to show me around? Sure, be glad to. So tell me a little bit about the shack here. What gear do you use? What's What do you use the most? I mostly use the Elecraft K-Line for all my network and, and for communicating with. And then I have my satellite equipment and extra receiving equipment and uh, VHF, UHF, and then the computers. And then the KX3 goes up on the dash of my motorhome. So that way I have uh, communications when I'm on the road. So what's your favorite mode? What do you operate most? Uh, mostly nets. I'm really involved in Gordon West's uh, 7240 net and then the RV service net. I'm also a net controller there. And then I have to help out other nets because living out on the ocean, I have a zero noise level. So I'm always there in the mornings to help relay in the weak stations or the QRP stations. So do you uh, get on 14300 much? Oh, yeah, yeah, because I go up there for technical advisory because I have a master's degree in electronics, and then I help people that have b broken boats out at sea. I help walk them through getting them fixed. So, uh, let's see, you've got, well, you've got a little bit of everything. You could operate anything you want in here, huh? Yeah, because uh, I'm I'm on the road. I've made all my electricity for the last 23 years, you know. So how do you power the, the shack here? I have... Uh, uh, Trojan batteries, golf cart batteries, because they hold the most current capability, and they're 250 amp hours for the pair. Wow, that'll do it. Then I have uh, 260 watts of solar on the motorhome and 200 watts on here, so I have plenty enough power. The only time I uh, fire up the two uh, KW generators when I want to run the uh, the KPA 500 500 watt amplifier. So, do you find that? that your solar cells are enough to really keep your batteries topped off? Oh, absolutely. Usually by 1 or 2 o'clock, they're topped off for the day, and I never run out of power. You know, and if I do, I always can kick on the generator because I do have an inverter that has a battery charge that puts out 100 amps. So it can re re totally recharge the batteries from dead in two and a half hours. Apparently, amateur radio and boating are not Neil's only hobbies. The quadcopter up here, which I flew over Quartzsite, Arizona, to 2,000 feet uh, at uh, Quartzfest, and shot video. You can see that up on YouTube. Just go to YouTube and type in W6FOG. So I have two quadcopters and nine helicopters, uh, two speedboats. Behind George there is one that does 75 miles an hour. It has a marine-cooled water engine in it and then a sailboat back there. I'm sure in a minute he'll show you those. But this is, I don't drink, so this is where my uh, drinking money goes. This is an RC and amateur radio. That's an RC boat. That's the only gasoline-operated boat I have, and that uh, has a 26cc marine-cooled water engine in it, and it'll do 75 miles an hour. And then I have a Barbie doll on water skis behind it, and she's waving with one hand and holding on to the rope with the other. And then the sailboat, you can see all these up on YouTube because I put up a lot of YouTube videos of me running them. Just go to YouTube and up in the search engine, type in W6FOG. And up on the wall up there are the two controllers that control all of these instruments. Uh, the one that's the DX3R uh, is for land and water. And then the one that says DX8 is for all the air, for the airplanes and, and quadcopters. Anything that flies in the air uses that one. Anyone that goes on land or water is the other one. And then I have a quadcopter that will fit in the palm of your hand. These happen to be 1922 Pyrex insulators I bought for a dollar a piece. What a score from 1922. People say, aren't those awful heavy? Yeah, but... The looks of them is neat. <laughs> so I see you've got some crates here, Neil. What is this? This is all the stuff I was able to take off the boat and give me more storage and also out of my motorhome. So now I finally have a portable garage after 23 years that I can finally have a place to work and not make a mess of my boat or motorhome. <laughs> so do you have a, 
a spare for a lot of stuff, parts. Oh, just... you know it. you got to be redundant. You know, sailors are that way. Neil, I see you've got a travel companion here. Who is this? That's my wife. And the reason why she's my wife, she's been with me for 23 years. She doesn't say no to anything I want to buy, and she doesn't know what a credit card is. Boy, that's, um, that's a good idea. An ideal wife. Yeah. <laughs> VA sent her to school for seven months to become a service animal. So she's allowed to go anywhere I want to go, you know, into restaurants, into grocery stores or whatever, you know. Yeah. What, what, uh, what type of service could she do? Uh, well, I'm a 100% disabled Vietnam veteran, and uh, there's a lot of meds I need to take. And she reminds me at 10 o'clock, it's time to take meds, and she counts my meds. She rags on me if any are missing. So if I'm out of vitamin B6 or, 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 or uh, any of the pills that are just vitamins, I put out Skittles so she gets her count right. If not, she'll rag on me for hours. You need to take another pill, you know? Oh, man, that's a good idea. <laughs> How old is she? She's now 23, but they live 75 to 125 years. So she'll outlive you. Yeah, I've got a granddaughter that's all ready to take her when Grandpa buys his lunch. Wow. Well, that's neat. So she does go everywhere with you then? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, she's a great partner. How does she like traveling on the boat? Uh, all the way up here. She's saying she loved to get on, she loved to get in the motorhome and go anywhere. She loves to travel, which is great, you know. It looks like she likes coax, too. Yeah, if I don't watch her, she'll take the shield, the outside coating off. So I got to keep my eye on her. So chewing fetish. So she will strip the cables for you. Yeah, she's stripped quite a few that have had replaced. Now starting here at the ground, I I see a tripod there, and I see a hand pump, and there's this nice pneumatic mass there. What what type of setup is this? I've never seen this exact one before. It's actually a photography mast, and I bought it at Quartzsite, where this year we had 550 hams out there, and at the end of the last day of the Quartz Fest, we have a swap meet, and I purchased this tower. Originally, I have the manual on it, and they paid $13,850 for it, and I picked it up for $2,000, but it's pneumatic, and it'll go up to 50 feet, and then it's got 24 guy lines on it. And then it closes up and goes up on the roof of my motorhome, and then the tripod goes inside the trailer. And you use an air compressor instead of the hand pump? Yeah, because it's 40 pumps per section, and that's a lot of pump to pump up eight sections, you know. <laughs> yeah, that would be. That'd be quite a few tires. But it's great. No matter where I go, in an hour and a half, I can be up, up, up and set up and op- operating on the air. I uh, see so you've got a, a push-up pole there, too, so you'll set up more than one antenna occasionally. Oh, yes. I just purchased this pole here today. Yeah. Uh, out in the desert, I put up a uh, 17-meter beam and then the 40-meter uh, 10 through 40 meter rotatable dipole and uh, then I've got a vertical a 43 foot vertical that goes on the tongue of the of the uh, cargo trailer so you, obviously you don't have the mass fully extended right now because there's all these other antennas around here is that some type of rotatable dipole you have yes it's a comet h422 and it's 10 through 40 meters and the neat part it's flat on all four bands and yeah it looks a little different because it's yellow that's zinc chromate which in the salt air keeps uh, keeps some of the salt air eating up the antenna well i was wondering about that because i've never seen one that color before but that's why huh right that's what they put on the bottom of outboard motors to keep them salt from eating into the motors and you can break that down, and it fits in the uh, PVC tube on top. Right. I have two rotatable dipoles I carry in there. I have another one for uh, 12, 17, and 30 meters. It's in, still in there. So what type of antenna do you operate on the boat? I have a 20, 40, 80-meter rotatable dipole 55 feet off the water. 
and uh, I have zero noise level out there, so I do a lot every morning until noon uh, relaying for different uh, different different nets. When they can't hear the QRP or the people are real weak, I help by getting them in so they get to check in. So I don't guess on HF the movement of the boat with the waves really affects your, your signal, does it? Not at all. And being over the salt water just really boosts the signal, too. And it's, it's real calm in the bay where I live. We may get a wind wave with a 70-knot wind, but it doesn't move the boat much because it's 12.5 ton. How much time do you spend on the water every year? Six months out of the year. I used to spend all the time for about 20 years, but now that I have a motorhome, I'm doing more uh, getting to see the United States because I've been all over the world, you know. So six months on land, six months at sea. Right. Yes, that's correct. So uh, I guess, let's see, the motorhome, those are often called land yachts, aren't yeah, they? My prairie schooner. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, you've got uh, California Rescue Communications. Is that a specific organization that you're a member of? Oh, absolutely. That's Gordon Westnet that we deal with earthquakes. If there's one in San Francisco or L.A., we start sending uh, equipment and supplies from one city to the other and being halfway in between the two I'm a relay point in case we've got bad band conditions but I'm all set to go into the affected area and start running traffic out and I do have 10 handheld radios which I don't leave laying around in there to where I can do a grid search with 50 people looking for someone that's lost. Wow and I guess being on the water the earthquake is not really going to affect you no. uh, because you, you're self-sufficient. Right. Yeah, and if we had another tsunami, I have another place to live. i got my motorhome and cargo trailer in case my boat ends up on Main Street of Morro Bay. Oh, good point. <laughs> well, Neil, I appreciate you talking with us. It's been a lot of fun and real interesting, too. Uh, interesting lifestyle, and, boy, it sounds like you're having a good time. Oh, yeah, that's what retirement's all about. Most people have a bucket list, you know, a small bucket. I have a 55-gallon drum. I've been retired for seven years, and it's still overflowing. <laughs> Maybe you need a second drum. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Thanks, Neil. Right on, George. Have a good time. Man, you remember when I said earlier how meet the interesting people at the Ham Fest? It looked like you hit the jackpot there. I did, man. It was, boy, it was great talking with him and seeing all those hobbies he's into. Yeah, that was amazing. You know, that, that little trailer, uh, almost like a U-Haul-style trailer, the inside of that thing, his ham shack in there is nicer than the one in my house. Oh, yeah, it's probably nicer than a lot of ham shacks. Yeah, it's very, very impressive. And what do you think about his wife, man? Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to leave that one alone. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty neat, though. I mean, the parrot, man, well-behaved. I, I didn't ever hear her say anything. And, and didn't even have a credit card. No credit card either. Yeah. 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 Pretty, pretty neat. Yeah, pretty neat. Man. Yeah, that's pretty awesome stuff. He's uh, real big on some of the, the nets out there and some of Gordo's nets. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I thought it was interesting him saying that he's out on the boat out in the ocean and there he does relays for the nets because there's no noise. Oh, yeah. Now, well, that would be so Can great. you imagine that? N- n- no, because I have a horrendous noise problem. Yeah. But uh, that, that would be so great. Oh, it would. And quadcopters, too. I think he's got got us beat on those. Yeah, I saw a Blade 350 QX hanging up there. It, it went by kind of fast. I'm going to watch it again and, and pause it and see if I can pick it out. But he had some nice toys in there. He did. And I like the uh, pneumatic mast, too. I had never seen one just like that. I've seen some that were bigger in diameter we used in broadcasting. But, you know, that one, you know, only about that big around. Yeah. And he said that was a, a for a camera. Oh, yeah. Photography. 
Yeah, the uh, I saw some guy at the football game. The last one we had recently, he had a, a video camera on a on a pneumatic uh, tripod with some uh, pneumatic mast in the middle of it. But it wasn't anywhere near that big. Yeah, but it was kind of neat. Well, that would be just the thing, wouldn't it? Yeah, it's pretty cool stuff. I don't blame him not wanting to pump that up, though. 40 pumps per section <laughs> yeah. and eight sections. That's a lot of pumping. That is a lot of pumping, yeah. Um, but, but boy, a really nice setup there. I mean, he's he's got his motor home. He can hook that behind it and go anywhere, and he's got his whole house with him. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. I, I think it's pretty amazing that the bird's trained to tell him when to take the, the medicine so he doesn't forget. I, I never really heard of that before. I hadn't either. But I, I used to have a parrot, an African gray parrot, and uh, they're they're really smart. So yeah. it doesn't surprise me that they can do it, but I've never seen it before. Yeah, it's really neat. And, and you know, thoroughly enjoy talking with him. You know, it's just, you know, there's so many different people doing so many different things in yeah. ham radio. Oh, yeah. Like I say, pe- people like that, that's what make going to the ham fest fun. Oh, yeah. Meet a lot of cool people. It really is. Well, you know, I... Uh, I ran into our buddy John from Northwest Digital. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was there. And, well, I think I I showed on the last show, I picked up one of these while I was out there. And I still know. It's still in the bag. It's still in the bag. And I may have to take that home with me and put it together for you. Yeah. Well, if you bring it back. Eventually. Anyway, yeah, that's. That's the uh, Northwest Digital Radio, and I'm, I don't remember the name of it, Digital Adapter, or, or what exactly. He'll tell yeah, us. I'm drawing a here. blank at the moment. I know it, but I'm drawing a blank. But I'm going to hook that up to a Raspberry Pi and uh, have me a little uh, D-Star. I don't guess you'd call it a node. I don't know what yeah. you'd call it. Same thing as a DV dongle. Yeah, it's pretty. Basically. It's similar to a DV dongle. It actually is a step up, I think, from the DV dongle because... You can put that on the Raspberry Pi and hang it off the network, and you can actually use it. Uh, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, even remotely, like I, through I the network, right. and you can use yeah. it to get on D-Star from pretty much anywhere. Yeah, pretty neat device. I'm looking forward to putting that together, and you'll be seeing more of that in the future. Cool. But yeah. right now, let's go talk to John. Well, last time we saw John Hayes K7VE, we were in Dayton, and we were talking about some of the Northwest Digital Radio products and. John, you've got some new stuff going on, don't you? We do, in fact. Um, So we talked uh, a little bit about our radio. We talked about the DV3000 card, which is a card that we designed for our radio to plug in to give you ability to do D-Star and some of the other digital voice protocols. They pretty much all use Ambi, uh, but there are some different configurations to Ambi. And this chip, since it's the newer chip, uh, can handle those other mixes. So if you're talking Yesu System Fusion or DMR, P25 Phase 2, the chip is capable for doing the voice coding for that. Now, that requires some software. What we have available for uh, us right now is you can plug that into the Raspberry Pi and with some software that we have available done by G4KLX, you can set up a D-Star connection to the network. So um, we've shipped a whole ton of these, and uh, surprisingly, it just goes in and people make it work. I've had very few support calls on it, and um, 
we are in 25 countries already, just since Dayton. Wow. So let, let, let me be sure I've got this straight. You can take that module, you take a Raspberry Pi and, and the things you need to go with it, like an SD card and a power supply. Um, since you're wanting to do some voice in, you'd add just a cheap uh, USB sound dongle to it. And is that all you need to get on D-Star? Yes. Some type of network connection. Right. Now, this is going through the network rather than over RF, but yes, that's what you need. And this would be essentially the same thing as if you had a DV dongle. Essentially. Except it has you... more capability, costs less. Uh, so how much does the module go for? The module goes for $99, and shipping is, you know, a buck or two uh, in the U.S., so uh, a lot of people have been uh, real happy with it. And we're, uh, in fact, a friend of ours up near the Canadian border got one, and he got it all set up, and he got on uh, Reflector 1C on, on the D-Star network and was talking to a British fellow, and he explained what he was using. And they said, tell us more. See, I can't do that if someone calls me because I have a pecuniary interest. But they were talking to him, and he said he felt like a DX rock star. They just came one after another after another because the audio was superior. And part of that is the newer technology in the chip. So where we're going from here on that is some people still like to use a USB port. So we're going to take this same product, which sells for $99, we're going to put it in a USB stick. You can plug it into a computer. You can plug it into a Raspberry Pi using basically the same software that we're talking about there, only in this form factor. And this will be for, we're still fine-tuning everything, but we believe the price is going to be about $119. And we're looking about six to eight weeks out before we'll be taking orders on this. But you heard it first here on Wow, well, that is fantastic. I mean, this is really an economical way to get into D-Star, probably the, the most economical there is. Yes, absolutely. And we're also looking at yet another one. Uh, we're, uh, we're not ready to productize it yet, but envision this same thing with a jack you could plug a speaker mic into. Oh, wow, so not even using the audio in the PC. Right. Well, that's very cool, John. Y'all have come a long ways in the last couple of years with this stuff. I know Tommy has been kind of watching you to see what you got going, and it seems like maybe around Dayton last year things just really started rolling good. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a lot of work. The hard part is RF. Uh, We have our, our radio here, and this is Prototype 3, which we think this is the last one. Uh... We're about ready to go to pilot production on these, and um, we should be taking orders on those by the end of the year, and delivery about 30 days after that. And that is uh, a full Linux computer and a band-limited 430 to 450 megahertz software-defined radio, 25 watts out, Since it's software-defined, all of the modems, all of the protocols are in software and can be upgraded. When it initially comes out, we'll have 9600 baud packet. We'll have uh, uh, 4800-bit-per-second GMSK for D-Star Voice. But we're going to run that thing up over 100 
kilobits per second. And those are just software loads, so you don't have to buy anything new or anything like that. And um, it's going to sell for three ninety-five, so it's a, a pretty good entry for folks. Yeah, for a rig that's going to cover all the different digital modes, that's that's not bad at all. So would I just plug a microphone and a speaker in here, and I'm ready to go? Right. So if you want to do voice, you know that the base unit does uh, data. If you want to do voice, then you buy one of these cards, you plug it in, get your audio in and out. It's controlled by a web interface. Uh, you'd use an audio dongle, for example, to bring it in. And you've got a full-up radio for voice as well. Cool. And is this uh, what it's kind of looked like packaged up? Yes. So um, one thing about digital modes, think about if you were fi- transferring a bunch of files, say, at 100 kilobits per second, and you had a couple megabytes of data that you wanted to transfer, that may hold the transmitter down for several minutes. So that's a very high duty cycle on your, your final amp. So we're building a case that has a lot of heat dissipation, so you can do that without decreasing the power of the radio or cooking it. Yeah. <laughs> and so on one end, you'll have an end connector for your antenna, and power, and on the other end, Ethernet and four USB ports. And that's the package you'll have. Well, that's real neat stuff. We're, we're glad to see, you know, more companies like yours coming into D-Star and the other digital modes to give us some options. And, you know, because every other vendor that comes in like you just kind of helps grow these modes in the hobby. Yeah, it's actually kind of exciting. You know, we're here, and and Jim Mowen's here. He does the GMSK modem. Um, We're good friends with uh, uh, Bruce Givens up in in Canada, who does the DVRPTR board. Uh, Ray is here from ICOM. We've been visiting with him. We're all kind of hoping more people will get into these modes, and we share ideas, and we have often complimentary products. If we compete, we'll just, whoever does the best product for the best price and the best service. But we can work together and make things better for the ham who wants to participate in this space. So when I hear that that conversation you hear ever so often, well, D-Star is ICOM proprietary. No, it's, it's really not. We don't have to pay a single cent in royalties for using the D-Star protocol. The chip we use here, there's a small license in the in the chip, but there's a small license in the microprocessor that runs the display on your radio, too. So, uh, in reality, you know, it's a reasonably priced device for that has a lot of functionality, and all the major standards run on it. So, you know, that's the, that's the thing. But, again, when you have a, a fully uh, software-defined digital radio, if you want to experiment with an open source or some other... Uh, way to get voice in and out have at it we'll make we'll enable it well john i'm i'm really excited i'm going to get one of these and i'm going to take it home and get it in the raspberry pi and and start operating with it because i've i've been wanting to run that way uh just just when i'm at home there without using a radio to to try to get on d-star and this sounds like really a, a very good way to do it 
We'll take it home. Go to our website, uh, com, and there's a couple posts right there with all the setup instructions, screenshots so you know what you got to fill in where. And like I say, we've had hundreds of people get these. We're not getting a lot of service calls on them. They're just setting them up and going with them. Well, that's uh, something right there. Well, thanks for talking with us, John. It's so good to see you again. Thanks for coming by. Oh, a nice guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. I talked to him at Dayton this year when they yeah. were first coming out with that board. Yeah. It's pretty cool. There's a lot of interest in it. Yeah, apparently they've sold a lot of them, man. People got them on the air. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they're not, they're nice. I'd be uh, interested to see how you... How you uh, yeah, that's what I meant. <laughs> yeah. You know, I what, you know what, what I'm you saying? Meant. Yeah. I'm glad you do. <laughs> yeah, I can see where you were trying to go with that. Yeah. Not sure you arrived, but... No, I didn't get, quite get there. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I'm looking forward to it, too. I want to get it hooked up and try it out here. I don't, I don't know when I'm going to do it, but I'm going to do it, you know. Yeah. Got right. so many things on the bench over there right now, but that that one's up there. Better sooner than later. Better sooner than later. Yeah. Speaking of, you know, little uh, projects and things like that, they are making these deals right here. They call them a power pole PAL. It's got a power pole on one end and it's got an LED on the other. A multicolor LED. A multicolor LED. You plug it in. If the polarity is correct on your power poles, then it's going to light up green. If it lights up red, then you know that somebody has put their power poles together with reverse polarity, and you don't want to plug your radio into that. No. So to solve that, they've got one of these, too. And this is a power pole uh, reverser, I guess you would call it. It it corrects that to where the polarity is correct. Oh, cool. So with these two little things right here, you could go essentially check anybody's power supply and correct it if the polarity was backwards and use your radio. Nice. Oh, that's yeah. a good idea. Yeah. I like that tester. Yeah. I like I like that because I actually have a set that somebody else had put together for me. And uh, they're, it they're made, sort of... Was it? I'm not saying who it was. <laughs> and they're sort of intermittent. So, I, like, it's it's kind of hard to get a, a pair of test leads down in here and test yeah. if it powers there. So, that, that's a good idea. Yeah. And, uh, you know, help protect your radio, too. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, thanks for putting these together. It's called the Power Pole Pal. And, uh, yeah, neat. Very neat. Very neat. Yeah, very neat. It's a real project. simple and a great idea. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Very good idea. Well, I got one more uh, interview we did here. You know, I was hanging out with a, a bunch of folks out there that you really haven't seen in the show tonight. I was hanging out with Bob Hall and Gordon West, uh, Randy Hall, uh, Mike from uh, for our you know the garlic mike garlic mike that's the only thing i know him by i didn't yeah. even know he had a last name yeah a lot of other folks and i was hanging out with ray novak too but stay stay tuned for the bloopers at the end of the show ray <laughs> might just make an appearance in there but he wanted me to go over and uh, talk with hro a little bit so i did and here's what we learned well i'm talking with steve here w4 shg from Ham Radio Outlet. Steve, it's good to meet you. Oh, it's good to meet you, too. Thanks for coming by. So how has Pacificon been for you this year? Man, it's been busy. Lots and lots of people, lots and lots of action, lots of activity. A variety of different uh, needs by our customers from small adapter cables to big rigs. So it's been real good. A lot of people, a lot of action. 
So uh, I know there's there's more than one office for Ham Radio Outlet, right? Absolutely. Right here on our sign, we've got 12 stores now, and we're looking forward to uh, uh, early early to late February try to get and open the uh, Plano, Texas store. So we're going to add a store to our channel and hope for the best down there. We're looking really good at the location. We've got a, a very nice, large, state-of-the-art retail facility. We're looking forward to getting that open. Hopefully in the February time frame, it may slide to March, but we're going to work hard to try to get it in there in, in February of 2015. So I would ask you how many Hamfests you do a year, but you probably just cover this area and the other stores cover everything else. Well, most of the time uh, we try to have our local guys cover the Hamfests, um, and in some stores the, uh, uh, the employee base in order to keep the store open, doesn't have enough bodies. So from time to time, I'm out of the Virginia location. Uh, I'll fly in to do some of the larger ham fests. Um, the Virginia store handles the Dayton Hamvention. Uh, our Atlanta facility handles uh, Orlando. And a lot of times when we have a, a larger quantity of folks, they fly in, uh, myself and, and perhaps some of our, our more experienced managers, to make sure that we can service the customer the best way we possibly can. So what would you say is probably the hottest thing going this year what are what are hams wanting well i don't know i mean there's such a diverse need uh for the amateur community there's not really one thing you know the west coast seems to have a a lot of vhf and uhf activity uh a lot of uh, uh yezu ft60 product the new uh, icom id51 is really hot a lot of people asking questions about that and you know the guys like uh, like the newer Alinko and the Kenwood uh, THD seventy two is phenomenal too. So it it's all over the board. And on the HF side, you know we've got Yezu attacking real hard with the uh, the rebates and the coupons and moving some price points around. You got Icom in there steady strong in the seventy six hundred and their bigger rigs and and the five ninety Kenwoods running is just you know really good stuff. And even Alinko's come to the table with their new uh, uh, SR nine. So it's just it's exciting time. There's a lot of stuff on the market. So, would you say you're you're seeing a lot of new hams as far as you know buying equipment and such, or is it the the same old guys? Well, it's a combination of both. I mean, we're seeing uh, an increase in amateur activity and, and new hams, especially here when you have Gordon in the booth and he's ringing the horn and the bell and whatever. You're going to see these guys coming up, but uh, there's a, a combination. You know, on the on the East Coast, I think it's probably a little less new blood coming in uh, with a lot of uh, the senior guys coming and buying. They're still adding bodies, but I think over here on the West, I see a lot more new action, a lot more new calls that come to the counter that tell me they're a new ham or in, we plug them into our computer system and they're not there. We know they're new. So it's a little different on each side of the country. So if people want to learn more about HRO, where should they go? Well, they can go to any one of our 12 stores across the country. They can go to www.hamradio.com. We've got an online site. We've got a lot of resources there that they can look at. And and any time they want to call us, uh, all of our numbers for every store is there, including mine in the Virginia location. What if they wanted to email you? Email ws1va at hro.net or any of the stores at hro or at hamradio.com. So it would be Anaheim at hamradio.com or Portland at hamradio.com. And one of our sales associates will get it and uh, respond fairly quick. Well, thanks for talking with us, Steve. It's been interesting and it was great to hang out with you a little bit out here at Pacificon this year. Thanks a lot for being by. We appreciate it. Well, Steve was was fun to talk with there now he is a big guy but i think the camera angle kind of uh 
overemphasize the effect. I wonder if the weather was different up there. <laughs> I think it was. <laughs> no, he was standing a little closer to the camera, yeah. and I was. And we should have reversed that. I should have yeah, been standing. It, a little it looked like you should have been holding the mic <laughs> up like that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, see, I could tell a little camera trickery going on. Yeah, but uh, a great guy, and enjoyed visiting with him, and and so many other folks out there, man. Just uh, you know, like I say, everywhere. I go to Hamfest now. I run into a lot of people I know. Yeah, and it's it's always, you know, yeah. just about a good part about of forty, hobby. fifty thousand of your closest friends. Huh? About yeah, yeah, just about that many. Now they weren't all there at this one, yeah. you know, but but a good many of them were there. Boy, what what a great event! I don't know what the next Hamfest I'll go to. Probably be the one right here at home. Yeah, well, that one's just around the corner. Yeah, be, be here before you know it. Yeah, it will. So that's always a big time. Yeah, we'll have to get us a table down there again this year. And De- oh, definitely. Hang out some and um, try try to run across some interesting folks to talk with. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there's plenty of them there. A lot of good friends. Yeah, yeah. Always. Maybe we can uh, find the Ham Dynasty gang again. Maybe we can. I thought I saw one of the guys here at, you know, at Pacificon, but oh. I, they weren't all there, so I didn't record it. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, you know, our our buddy uh, Mike, VE3MIC, yeah. he's always up to something kind of crazy. And, you know, he just couldn't let Halloween pass by without this right here. Yeah, the new, the new T-shirts. Yeah, the Amateur Logic Heavyweight Halloween Special Edition T-shirts available in extra small and three extra large. <laughs> <laughs> so sort of like me and Steve there, you know, we've got a shirt that fit either one of us. Yeah, you know that Herman Munster guy up there at the top, that is a good-looking guy. Boy, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And, and of course, Eddie. I think his name is Eddie, isn't it? Uh-huh. There in the middle. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Eddie nice. Munster and then Grandpa down at the bottom. Yeah, Grandpa down at the bottom. I tell you, Grandpa looks kind of wicked up there. <laughs> <laughs> I think he looks scarier than Herman does. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. That's... Um, you know, we always like to see stuff like that kind of cracks us up. You know, we really need to get some of those made at some point. We do. We do. And, uh, of course, you know, Halloween being such a special holiday. There we are. Halloween s- road trip. Halloween road trip. Yeah. I, I think we uh, made a wrong turn at Albuquerque, Tommy. Yeah. <laughs> we got a follower. We do. Yeah. A walker. Yeah. Looks like you need to step on it. Or I need to step on it. But uh, well, those are pretty awesome. He's always doing something with uh, Photoshop and, the, and our pictures. Uh, if you haven't been on the Google Plus group over there, go check it out. He's always posting something on there. It's uh, it's a lot of fun. Oh, it is. Yeah, always a blast. And we're gonna try to get Mike in here again one day. He's a little camera shy, but yeah, he's way past due for being on the show, though. He is. He is. And you know, we we're, we're due for a good moose report. Yeah, that's true. We have the moose ought to be stirring. It's starting to get kind of cold up there. It is. Yeah. Well, I guess that's going to do it for us today. We appreciate yeah. you all joining us here and. We'll be back on the 15th with episode 72, I believe. Yeah, and watch the, uh, all of the social media places for the shooting time. And we'll be streaming that as well. Some, some, actually, sometime uh, the weekend of, what would that be, the 8th? Um, yes, I think it will be the weekend of the 8th. The 8th is a Saturday. Yeah, weekend of the 8th of November. So that's like next weekend, isn't it? It is. Boy, i got to get busy. <laughs> 
I, I just gotta shoot a video. Yeah, you could do a D star one. I know where those D star board needs to be put together. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also, you want to check out the Amateur Logic Wiki. It's uh, amateurlogic.tv/wiki, and this is where you can find show notes on um, what was in each episode and some of the links and things to to help you find the resources that we located. Yeah. When you guys email and ask what episode something was in, that's actually where we go look. Yeah. Because I can't remember all of them anymore. Yep. And thanks, Dan Van Evenhoeven, N9LVS, for doing the wiki for us. Absolutely. We appreciate it. Much appreciated. Yep. And, uh, well, that's all the stuff we've got here on this sheet of paper, Tommy. I guess we're since we're out of paper, I guess we may as well say 73. All right. Sing the theme song. All right. How many of these W one hundred eight? These two crates here are from ICOM America. I suspect they shipped Ray Novak in one of these. Well, let's see, Ray. Uh, hold on, let me get it unlocked. Just hang on. How hey. was the flight? Uh, uneventful George, a little bounced around, but hey, everybody, glad to see you, and secret to the success of getting the shows. <laughs> uh, that's, that's the course we'd all like to be on. Here's Miss Icom America 2014. Oh, man, that's scary for Miss Icom. Oh. Yeah. I guess I'll go turn down that radio up there, huh? Well, this is a ham radio show. Ha, 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 ha.